From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, my brother. I got the host of Top Rope Wrestling Talk, the South Philly Psycho. I got Dom in the building. What's good, man? What is going on, my friend? It is so good to be here, De Niro. I I appreciate you coming on our show. I'm always down to come on. I know we were talking about doing an ECW review, and it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if anybody doesn't know, this is probably the only guy who can match my ECW fandom. You know, I, I know a lot of people like when I do the ECW reviews, but very little people actually live through it. And very few people who listen to my ECW reviews actually, like, know what I'm talking about sometimes. So, like, I know you'd be perfect for the ECW reviews. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I grew up a few blocks from the bingo hall. So in ECW's heyday in the 90s, I was in my teens, you know, towards the end, probably 20. So I spent a lot of time in that bingo hall. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just put this in perspective. I grew up maybe two miles away from Madison Square Garden. And mm-hmm. the Mecca to me was the ECW arena. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that says it all right there. But anyway, yeah, so tell me a little bit about yourself, your fandom for wrestling and Top Rope Wrestling Talk. Oh, man. I mean, you know, I've been a fan of wrestling since probably the mid-80s. Like, literally fifth birthday, my mom took me to a show with my buddies. And it it was WWF at the Spectrum. I got to watch, like, Macho Man and the Million Dollar Man in the main event. And I fell in love. And I came home, and I wasn't... You know, there were no such thing as stands back then. You know what I mean? Fanboys. Yeah. It was just, if you were into wrestling, you were into wrestling. I came home, turned on the TV, and I'm seeing, like, World Class on ESPN. Or, you know, oh, they got Memphis on at midnight. Like, this is cool. You know, yeah. I got I to gotta watch this, too. And and it just grew from there. And throughout my life, wrestling just became a, a part of it. Especially, like I said, when you have one of the hottest promotions in wrestling one of the most different uh, one uh, the the legitimate alternative in pro wrestling history right down the street from you you're gonna stay attached and you know all my life wrestling has just been that that escape you know i mean i'm a special needs dad and sometimes things don't always go that well with your kid just in general but when you when you have a special needs kid that's a hundredfold and there are times where, you know, you get down, you get worried, you, you, you just need to get away. And when that kid goes to bed, if you can throw on AEW, WWE, Impact, New Japan, whatever, and just get away from it for a while. Yeah. 
you're good. And that's where a lot of this started with Top Rope. Like we, me and my buddy Bruce, who I've known for the longest time, high class, we kind of recruited Grandma Wendy and we all used wrestling, not used, but we all saw wrestling as the escape, you know, like we're grown people with jobs and yeah. responsibilities and pressures. And Amen to that. Same we way. can just get away, talk wrestling for a little bit. So be it, you know, it'll be fun. It'll, it'll get us recharged for whatever. And one night we just happened to be, we just happened to be on Skype and I looked down and they had added a recording feature feature. And I was like, <laughs> okay, fuck it. Let's record what we say. So we just did. We just talked about wrestling for like 45 minutes. And when we were done, Bruce says to me, you know, we should like, we should put this out somewhere. We should get this on social media. And I've got a 45 minute recording sitting in front of me. And my response was like, oh, so I guess I just, what, like post this to Facebook? What do I do now? Yeah. Because keep in mind, I'm old. I didn't know much about computers to begin with. <laughs> And, you know, I, I had to start doing some research, created a YouTube channel, created a, you know, podcast platforms, put us out. People actually enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, really? Like, we're, we're just a couple idiots talking about wrestling. I'm like, no, no, when's the next episode? We hadn't even figured that out yet. We were just mm. like, um, next week? Oh, cool, cool, <laughs> cool. Let me know where, it, you know, definitely put it in the group or put it here. Yeah. Let me know so I can share it. Okay. And from there, a couple of years and 150 episodes later, here we are today. You yeah, know, you just had a, your 150, so congratulations on that. That's definitely yes. a good milestone. Yes, thank you. Friday was 150, and we did a nice little special where we ended up, we were, we were supposed to talk about Forbidden Door, like preview it, like everybody else did. <laughs> then we had technical difficulties, and it took us forever to get on. And we'd already planned out this whole promotional draft where the three of us were going to name and and draft our own wrestlers to start our own promotions and so by the time we got that done we're looking and we're pretty much we're pretty much out of time so i think we mentioned it in a blurb on the way out thanked everybody <laughs> and left <laughs> <laughs> and i felt bad because people were saying like what you're not you're not excited for this pay-per-view i was like no i am we just ran out of time. <laughs> I mean, it was still a really fun show. I really enjoyed the draft. Yeah, it was a good I mean, idea. Just, the, the ECW guy that I am, I had to name my promotion the Extreme Resurrection <laughs> Association. Yeah, you got a lot of respect for that for me. So, because I, I would do the same thing. Like I, even like growing up, like I would like fantasy book is like when I was a child, I would have like action figures, and when ECW went out of business, I would always do like an ECW spinoff promotion or you know, kind of like every promotion in the early 2000s that like after ECW, you had an ECW spinoff promotion from like yeah. real life. But like even like video games, once they started like that universe mode where you could like create your own storylines, it was always ECW. I got to download always W guys. Always. Yeah. Like even for the latest one, 2K22, like my girlfriend's like, you spent like seven hours on that. You haven't played a match yet. I'm like, yeah, because I'm in community creations, downloading every <laughs> single ECW wrestler. Yep, yep. I gotta get Sabu. I gotta get. I gotta get Rob Van Dam. I gotta get. <laughs> and then you have to get the right one. I'm looking at Sabu. I'm like, nah, right. You can't like get like a knockoff version. You gotta yeah. get like the legit one. So you gotta he got look the pants, through all. But he don't got the scars. Like, come on. <laughs> right, right. Like, the, where'd they get Sabu's face on this one? That don't even look right. That, right. <laughs> Like, that ain't Sabu, that's Mikey Whipwreck. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So you said you didn't get a chance to really talk about Forbidden Door. This is going to be the perfect episode then because I feel like I wouldn't want to talk about Forbidden Door with anybody else. Our, our fandom is very unique. And I think that this is going to be a great episode to review what happened last night on Forbidden Door. I personally oh, thought absolutely. it was a great show. I know a lot of people is hating, but you know, fuck the haters. <laughs> it was a great show. Fuck them. <laughs> the only thing is like, I, I didn't get a chance yet to see the, uh, the buy-in because during the buy-in, my Wi-Fi was going in and out, had a bunch of issues. So I do plan on going back and watching it. I heard that there was a lot of, cool spots and good matches. And I know they added a match because I don't think they announced that uh, Nick Camarado was going to be facing Lance Archer beforehand. No, they didn't announce that. They had announced just before Forbidden Door that Limitless Swerve was going to be going against um, Kanemura and... um, Uh, El Desperado, uh, El Desperado, yeah. Yeah. And that match was amazing. Like, that was pay-per-view quality. You got to check that one out. But yeah, they added Nick Camarado and Lance Archer at the end, at, at the last minute. And they had another match. Like, they had the dojo match, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. It, it, it was definitely a good buy-in. Like, I'm more for action before the pay-per-view than I am for the usual, you know, recap of this is why we're doing this, and this yeah. person's interview, and that type of stuff. So I was definitely more excited to tune in and watch that. They did even have a few little issues on BR Live during that buy-in so you might not be i might have missed some things too <laughs> <laughs> well we'll go back and check that out together <laughs> yeah no nah, for sure I watch again. It. so it's definitely worth it yeah i gotta check that out so we're just gonna be talking about the the main show so starting off right at the bat i was really happy that kevin kelly was on commentary that was nice to add that new japan touch and i, I grew up yeah. on kevin kelly too like i was a big ring of honor fan for many years and he was the voice of roh from like the 2010s up to like 2015 so it was really cool to hear kevin kelly especially like later on in the show him mixing it up with jr like yeah it's like old attitude era wwf voices there so that that was i think the buy-in was the match he actually called with caprice coleman and then i was having true roh flash oh wow yeah now yeah caprice coleman shout out to caprice coleman like (laughs) that caprice is a guy who (laughs) he had a pretty decent wrestling career but i feel like he really fell into his own with commentary he's doing really well and him and ian riccaboni is a great team too yeah, they really are. They really are. But I did I, I did miss Kevin Kelly a little bit. <laughs> not going to lie, right? Yeah, not, like not not sitting up at night going, man, if only Kevin Kelly was back in the U.S. But still, it was nice to hear him. <laughs> so, yeah, the packed house. United Center was jam-packed. Close to like, I believe they said like 16,000, 17,000 people there. Yeah, it wasn't, so, uh, it wasn't punk-packed, but it was oh, packed. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny to me because I know that um, – if you remember when Punk came out, like the set was like the regular AEW set. This looked like mm-hmm. a more like put together set so they could have more seats in the back. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't more than Punk and they announced that this was a seller, I expect this to be like 20,000, but still jam packed. Yeah. Everybody's going crazy. And that was a good way to like set off the show because they did like the panning of the big United Center and you just see mm-hmm. everybody ready to like rock the house. Like oh, you yeah. said, before we even got on, uh, the show today, when before I even hit record, we were saying that this is a show that we probably never thought we'd see. When AEW first started, the elite left. There was some bad blood with New Japan, and there was like little, you know, comments back and forth about like, oh well, the elite is, you know, when they left New Japan, they took like the heart and soul of New Japan. And then I know there was bad blood on New Japan's side. So this is something that I feel is really three years in the making. It really was, and and 
honestly, if for if not for maybe the regime change in New Japan, we're never getting this. We're never getting this yeah. pay per view. We're never getting, you know, Tanahashi coming through the door that he named. We're not getting Okada in the United Center with that pop. We're not getting any of it for sure because the old management, like you said, kind of felt like the elite pulled the heart and soul right out of New Japan. But at the same time, when the new management came in, they're like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, look at look at who we got. We got the Rainmaker. We got the Ace. We've got the Bullet Club. We mm-hmm. we can make stars. We can do whatever because New Japan is not the type of promotion, say that WWE is, where you're asking WWE like, who's the next guy? You know, where's that? Who's what star are you making right now? Yeah, New Japan has always created stars. When Kenny Omega walked in there, the man was not a star. I joked about it, but it's kind of true on another show, but it's kind of true. Kenny Omega was Kota Ibushi's bitch. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And when he left, he was a critically acclaimed, well-known talent throughout the world. But when he got mm-hmm. there, he was not he was not the cleaner. Yeah, even he when he was not... in Bullet Club at first, he was just background character. He was just a junior heavyweight in the Bullet Club. Yeah. He wasn't the man. He wasn't the big star. AJ was. So, yeah, it's like, you know, Will Ospreay wasn't that guy that he is today. You know, Mm -hmm. Okada wasn't even Okada when he showed up. These guys. Tanahashi. I remember when Tanahashi first got there, he was a young boy. Like, yeah, these guys, you know, were were brought up and developed through New Japan's system and turned into the stars that they have been or are today. And so. I think the new regime looked at what they had and realized like we still have a lot of a lot of established guys, but there are so many people we could take to that next level. For sure. Guy like Shingo being one of them, you know. I mean, Red Shoes kid, look how amazing he was. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that right now because the opening matchup was a banger. The opening matchup was Chris Jericho teaming up with Sammy Guevara and Minoru Suzuki. Versus mm-hmm. Wheeler Yuta, Eddie Kingston, and Shota Umino. And I got to say, coming out of this match, it was a lot of stars. A lot of star power, a lot of former world champions. Coming out mm-hmm. of this match, Shota Umino was the breakout star in this matchup. Absolutely. And I think that's beautiful to see. Especially, like I said, Chris Jericho, former multi-time world champion. Up until recently, former first ever AEW world champion. Right. You have Minoru Suzuki, who is the godfather of MMA and Fought such a crazy style to and the murder grandpa yeah the murder know, grandpa like, <laughs> like yeah. I, I was calling that team the suzuki appreciation society because i didn't want him to fuck <laughs> me up i'm gonna be honest like fuck jericho i'll take him but suzuki yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no for sure but also you have um recent tnt champion uh sammy guevara ring of honor peer champion uh wheeler yuda so a lot of like former champions and current champions and then Shota Umino, who was not holding a title, definitely held his own and showed out. Yeah. Yeah, no, he showed me a he showed I, I've seen his matches, but I mean he showed me a lot coming to the States and being in there with the big names that we just said. Yeah. And not only holding his own, but at a point I actually thought he was gonna win the whole damn match. I was <laughs> like, wow. I was rooting this for this is him. crazy. Like when uh, like he slapped he slapped Jericho in the walls and I went, oh tap. Just tap right now. This would be the perfect ending to this match. <laughs> For sure. That would have caused a big pop. And not only that, but it would have been a good ripple effect. I think that we're going to see more Shota in AEW, especially with what happened later on in the show. 
with uh, Chris Jericho throwing the fireball mm. in his face. You know, no, no flash paper. That's all coming from the hands. He's a wizard. So he's a wizard. Like, I know the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in the end, Chris Jericho wins the match for his team. But absolutely a stellar way to open up the show. The crowd was going crazy. And I feel like that's something that was a good theme for the rest of the show as well, because the crowd was hot the whole show. Like yeah, they were. We, we've seen shows like AEW, they have really long pay-per-views and we've seen somewhere the crowd stays hot. And then we've seen somewhere like by the last couple of matches, the crowd is just tired. I mean, mm-hmm. fatigue plays a part, especially when you have an AEW style show where it's like, you got crazy ass mm-hmm. matches, like one after another, there's very little like letdowns and there's very little like breather matches. So yeah. this was a show where like every match was a banger and that crowd stayed hot the whole time, especially for the second matchup. The second matchup, mm. I, I didn't think we were going to get it right like two matches in. I thought this was, you know, co-main event. I don't know. Yeah. This was a huge matchup. Winner takes all for the Ring of Honor and IWGP Tag Team Champions, Rapungi Vice, the United Empire, Jeff Cobb and Great Khan and FTR. What did you think about this matchup? Oh, my God. This shit. This shit had everything. I mean, the action was insane. Then you have um, Dax just just leaving with an injury like five minutes in, and you're like, oh, shit. Because I, I, I had been saying to anyone that would hear me, like, this is just another stone on the gauntlet of FTR. Like, they already got the AAA. They already got the ROH. They're going to add in IWGP, and they're just going to keep rolling because they're probably the best team out there. And then Dax leaves, and I'm like, well, I guess I was wrong. Shit. <laughs> Especially with the way wrestling has been lately. Like, we already were missing so Danielson from this card. We've had Cody hurt. We've had all these guys go down. And then Dax walks out, and you're like, man, there's just no love from the wrestling gods these Especially last couple Especially the last months. few months that Dax had. Dax has not only been putting on classic tag matches, but his singles match has been really good, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, his singles matches in the Owen Hart and their tag matches, whether it be in AWROH down in Mexico, you know, they've just been, they've just been hot. And and seeing him walk out, I was like, oh shit, this is this is bad. Like this yeah. this is this is probably the end of FTR for a while. And then having him come back, it was just that emotional roller coaster. Like, oh shit, they got a change. <laughs> Like, not to sound like the biggest ECW geek, but I instantly thought, like, this is, like, Terry Funk vibes. If you remember, like, One Night Stand 06. Yeah. Taken to the back, he's injured, and it's, like, Tommy Dreamer's on his own. All of a sudden, he comes back in and helps uh, what's called Tommy Dreamer later on. I thought that it was really cool. I, I don't know. Like, it seemed like a legit injury, and it probably is a legit injury. But for him to go back out there and showing, like, that type of, you know, guts and courage, that that's really awesome. And besides that, like, Jeff Cobb looked like a fucking beast. Like, yes. I've been saying it for years. Jeff Cobb is going to be a mega, mega star in this business, if he's not already. Yeah. Uh, Great Okan, I think Great Okan is really coming into his own as well. He, he's a guy who's a newer face in New Japan, and he's been, you know, given a lot right off the bat. His first year in, he was already in the uh, Wrestle Kingdom against Tanahashi. So, mm-hmm. like, he was given a lot right off the bat. But I don't know if he was really ready for that spot right away. And now we see with this team, with United Empire, this team with Jeff Cobb, he's really coming to his own. And it's great to see because I think that he did really well here. He did amazing at Dominion. So I really think that uh, Great Okan is a guy to watch out for in New Japan. But then you Definitely. also add Rapungi Vice. And Rapungi Vice added a lot to this matchup as well. They added high-flying, um, just different elements. You had a really cool like trifecta of styles here in this match. And I think that they all meshed together really well. 
I, I also yeah. said on a circle, not to cut you off, sorry. I also said on circle of debate that this is probably the only matchup besides like the uh, IWGP championship matchup and the AEW championship matchup. This is the only matchup that really got a build leading into the show. So like, there was a story behind this matchup as well. So it was more intriguing to me as well. Yeah. And, and honestly, this is probably one of my match of the year candidates at this point, like just triple threat, winner take all just the, the story that was told in ring, the action that, the difference in styles, the way it went back and forth. Like you thought each tag team was going to win at one point or another. You were like, oh shit, strong zero. Like Rapungi Vice is going to take all this? Holy, yeah. no. And, and, you know, obviously they guys had the quick breakup out of nowhere. It, it looked like the Empire had it a couple of times, but at the end of the day, there we are, big rig, one, two, three, one more stone, we move on. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think it's really cool also. I, I mean, I know everyone's been talking about the politics behind AAA and New Japan, and that's why we didn't see guys like Pentagon and Andrade on the show. So I think that it's really cool, and it may open up the door for New Japan to be working with AAA by having FTR hold both the AAA tag titles and the IWGP tag titles. One can yeah. only hope, because I think it was a shame that a lot of wrestlers from AEW couldn't be on the show because of the politics of everything. True, true. We got AEW back in the fold with New Japan. Now we got to work on some of these other promotions. For sure. So from uh, one title match to another, we have the inaugural All-Atlantic Championship matchup. Clark Connors versus Pac versus Malachi Black versus Miro, who, by the way, for anybody who is questioning if Miro is a superstar, that Mm. pop that he got was insane. That crowd was 100% behind Miro. This was another really good matchup, though. Great action, yeah, a lot of different styles. Uh, something I was really interested to see was how Pac was going to mix it up with Miro because I know that there is some real like bad blood there. When Miro came into AEW, he was on Busted Open Radio, and mm-hmm. he said that he was willing to work with anybody besides Pac. But him. <laughs> so, yeah, he said because Pac like, injured his bicep. I don't know if there was like bad blood from uh, the WWE days, right? It, so, it was. He said Pac was unprofessional and he injured him for no reason and, you know, all this other stuff. And yeah. then, you know, it's like Pac's the first guy to qualify for this match. Mira's got to work with him now. <laughs> yeah. And then when I, saw, when I first saw the brackets and as soon as Pac won, right, I saw Miro versus Ethan Page. All due respect to Ethan Page. I like Ethan Page. He's not winning. He's not winning. I was like, <laughs> shit, we're going to see them mix it up. So I was really excited to see their interactions. And they did interact because, you know, in a four-way, mm-hmm. you could have, you know, had them not touch. But they did. So uh, hopefully they they squashed whatever beef they had. But this was definitely a it really good It looked like matchup. it. Yeah. It looked sure. like it, but it also looked like Miro was a little stiffer with Pac than he was with the <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> at the same time, like... Okay, yeah, we're cool, but I got to get a few stiff ones in on you just to make up for, you know. <laughs> there was a few points, like, where if you saw Pac's face, they didn't mention it, but if you saw his face, like, he was like, fuck, because like, Miro was, like, really, like, clubbing at him. And yeah, he was he just was... like, come on. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely great matchup. It, 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 there was many points in this matchup that it looked like it could have went to Malachi. Definitely mm-hmm. looked like it was going to go to Miro, and Miro caught, uh, what was it called now, the game over? Yeah, um, yeah, not the not the accolade. I don't want to sound like a little Mark. No, like, no, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the game. Even over. though I still scream when he stomps the guy in the back, I'm like Miro Crush. <laughs> <laughs> but when he had the accolade, oh god damn, I did. <laughs> when he had the game oh, over, he went there. When he had the game over, go. locked in tight on a uh, pack. I thought, you know, this is how they squashed their beef. He said, "You want to tap to me?" But 
in the end, yeah. in the end, I that's think why that, I thought the beef was squashed. Because if you notice, when he when he pulls game over, it's not just a camel clutch anymore. Like he cranks yeah, he all, all the way back, the way back, and literally sits on his ass. But with Pac, it was just a camel clutch. Yeah. And, and Pac was struggling to get out. He was putting him back. He was fighting to get to the ropes. He was dragging him back. But he never went all the way back to his ass with it. Yeah. And I thought, okay, maybe, just maybe, we've got this whole thing settled. Because right. if he really wanted to fuck Pac up, he could have just cranked back. <laughs> For sure. For sure. But in the end, well, first of all, that, that black mist, I thought that was illegal. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I thought that blackness was illegal. It was right in front of the referee's face. But Me too, the, but it's a fatal four-way, yeah. so anything oh, goes. You know? It is no DQ. We did see I will never say that. extreme rules, but anything goes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually really like that uh, everyone like kept their character, too. It wasn't just like a four-way where it was like four great athletes. You had Malachi Black pull out the black mist. You had... Uh, what's it called Miro talking about how like this is his revenge for losing the TNT title by winning this. And then he's going to lay it at God's hands and yeah. all that redeemer shit he's been saying, but definitely a great matchup. I was very happy with the ending. I, I did want to see Miro win, but I did say if there was I a close too. second, I wanted Pac to win because Pac been here from day one. He's a guy who deserves a title and now he finally has it. And now to think that Pac is going to be traveling to other companies to defend the title as well. I think that that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be real cool. And I gotta say, I, I know I'm gonna sound like a bad New Japan fan, but I did not know a lot about Clark Connors coming into this match. I didn't see a lot of his work. I didn't know a lot about him. Watching him, that dude is fucking stellar. Like, like, like he's sure. he's he's kind of built like Pac. He kind of wrestles like Pac, where he uses you know agility and strength at the same time. And he just blew me away finally being able to sit down and watch him, not only in a match, but in a match against guys that we know are on a certain level. Yeah. 
he and I thought going into it with Ishii being hurt and everything else, not knowing him as well as I should have, honestly, that you know, man, this guy doesn't belong. Like he's not on their level. You know, it, it, this is. I, I feel like I'm Tanahashi and, and Clark is Mox. I'm like he'd have to get on their level before he can get in the ring. Yeah. But when he when he actually showed up, he proved he was. So I, I got to give him all the credit in the world. I had no idea he he was capable of half the shit he pulled off, and and he looked absolutely positively like he belonged with those three guys who have been obviously to huge levels, you know, it, big places and all over the world. So congratulations, dude. Like you, sure. you, you got one fan that night, at least. <laughs> no, it's definitely a testament to him. I believe he's only been wrestling for maybe one or two years. Yeah. I was like, going to say he's, he's pretty fairly new and gosh, like he didn't, he, it's definitely seemed like he belonged, which was a great testament to him. So yeah, definitely shout out Clark Connors. I hope that there's a lot more for him on the table. I know that um, it did seem like there was a little bad blood between him and Japan. Because maybe I know there was uh there was some tweets or something that came out with him like talking shit about New Japan Strong or something. So I I hope that you know he's still on New Japan Strong. I mean shit if like anything happens like AEW should sign him right up because he definitely is going to be a star. He definitely proved that on this night. Absolutely, absolutely, and it and it also goes back to the point that I was making about how like New Japan can build stars and get the best out of the guys that they bring to their dojos and use as their young lions or whatever else. Yeah, he's an example of it. Jay White's another. You know, <laughs> I mean they'll they'll make guys. So it it really isn't that big big a deal that the elite left. Like in the moment, yeah, but at the same time, like give us a year, we'll have them replaced. Yeah, if you look at, like, their next, like, crop of, like, young lines that they have right now, it definitely seems like there's a lot of stars in the making. I know uh, Mm -hmm. Alex Coughlin is another guy that I'm really looking Mm -hmm. out for because he looks like he's going to be a big star. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, and Clark Connors was in that, you know, was in those talks, too, about a couple months ago. So, definitely, I'm excited to see where these, you know, the new crop of young lions in New Japan go because I see a lot of great things in their future. Yeah, definitely. Clark was just one of those guys for me. Everybody told me about him and, oh, you got to see him. He's so good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll catch up on him. I'll catch up on him soon. I'll catch up on him soon. And and I just never did. So coming in, I I, I don't know if I, I maybe seen him one or two times since he, yeah. since he showed up in New Japan. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I get Ishii, but you? And, and he proved me wrong. Like, yeah, I could be wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I, as much as I like Clark Connors in this matchup, I still want to see Ishii and Miro mix it up because I, I was really excited yes. to see some of the stiff, strong style workings between them two. Yeah, I just want to see Miro in Japan, basically. Like, there are so many matchups between Ishii and and even, even a guy like Shibata that I would love to just watch unfold in front of me. And if that has to be in Japan and he has to go over there, do it (laughs) for sure sure. so next matchup on this was the trios tag match between Shingo Darby Allen and Sting versus El Fantasmo and the Young Bucks with Hikaleu with their by their corner this was originally supposed to be a uh a four on four um it was announced I believe Saturday so just like 24 hours before the show that Takahashi was not going to be able to be in this matchup, which was a shame because I'm a huge Hamaru Takahashi fan. Me too. But, I love uh, the time bomb, man. Oh, God, dude. yeah. <laughs> He's just a megastar. And especially with him, like, you know, gaining a little bit of weight and him going to uh, move up to the heavyweight division, I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see what's going to be 
on uh you know in his future which is awesome but i think that would be awesome to see him in uh aw one day not gonna complain though because this matchup was phenomenal it was amazing it was i mean no offense to whoever came up with Colin Sting and Shingo and Darby dudes with attitudes, but Kevin Kelly had them all beat with low Sting Grenoble's day oh, yeah. <laughs> That was beautiful. I, I I stood up and bowed to Kevin Kelly for, for sure. that. I'm like, you you nailed it, son. Dudes with attitudes did not fit this group. Yeah, like this that was Sting and Luger, and I don't know who the fuck else back in the day, but none yeah. of that reminded me of this. You know, that yeah. wasn't even the same Sting when dudes with attitudes were around. <laughs> exactly. And I thought there was a possibility because he was calling them dudes with attitudes. I thought there was a small possibility we was going to see Surface thing. But <laughs> right. And then it almost made they almost made you feel during the show like he was going to come down from the rafters. And I was a that scared. was like, yeah, because oh when no. they showed all the way, like when they zoomed in and they showed him up there in the rafters, I was like, uh, I wouldn't oh, let's do, not this. do this. I would not let's do don't this. do Yeah, I, I don't know about anybody else, but you know, having watched Sting most of my life, I'm kind of protective of him. Yeah. And my man has been doing some crazy shit in AEW, diving off of balconies, including going in this through match. tables, yeah. including this match. And every time it happens, I get the same reaction. Like I freak out and then I go, oh, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, if Minoru Suzuki is murder grandpa, I've been dubbing, I've dubbed Sting hardcore grandpa. Mm-hmm. Cause he just does all this crazy shit. And you're just like, oh man, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> This is crazy because this is not Sting trying to keep up with what he used to do. Sting never did this shit. He He rarely did this shit. shit. Like maybe a little in impact. He did some crazy moves here and there, but they were like usually set for, you know, like a pay-per-view a year. Like at Slammiversary, Sting is going to come off of something and put someone through a table, you know, like that type of thing, like a big show. This happens every time you see Sting in AEW and I'm nervous. Oh, yeah. I always (laughs) punch up. I'm like, no. Oh, like, oh, pretend Sting, save him from himself. Exactly, and then when he gets up, I'm like, all right, cool, now I could react to the the spot. But when it's happening, I'm just like, oh. You know what? I mean, God love him. The man is like 62 years old and and still better in the ring than Goldberg. Still. (laughs) And has zero title opportunities. Okay. Because I remember when he came back and, and winter is coming and he popped up and it snowed in Florida and everything else. People went, oh, well, he's going to be there at Goldberg and get undeserving title shots. And I was like, okay, first off, Sting ain't like that. Secondly, mm-hmm. Sting in his grave will be a better worker than Goldberg alive. And then the other the other narrative was, oh, he's going to be there just for cinematic matches. Yeah. Oh, oh that. That's, that was the last one. Oh, he's just going to yeah. show up for cinematic matches. Well, yeah, you're wrong about that, too. I was like, this is... Right? Yeah, th- I said it then. I was like, this is Sting. This guy's not going to wrestle unless he thinks he can go. He has so much pride. Yeah. And when you have a Chicago crowd of almost 17,000 people chanting, you still got it after he dives off a freaking trunk or whatever that was, piece of scaffolding over the, over the ramp. Yeah. He can go. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I usually take notes for like every matchup when I do like reviews. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I take notes and I write as detailed as possible. So I know like what I'm talking about, like things that stand out for this match. All I wrote in all caps is Sting is still the fucking man. Yeah, because <laughs> it's true. Even when the Young Bucks hit that double, uh, the double super kick and he like no sold it and then did the whole like power up and all that. That crowd went crazy. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. Like people want to talk about, oh, Sting should be selling for the young guy. Fuck that. 
Sting is immortal status. Like he is yeah. more than a legend. Like I, I end up taking notes on my phone during the show because I could just hit the voice thing and say something. Yeah. And and during That's the, a good idea, during actually. this I do match. Yeah, like I, I do a lot of typing because we do some live threads in my Facebook group, so I'm yeah. chit-chatting, but I'll come in and I'll just pop my notebook up, hit the microphone. Smart. And and somehow during that match, in all caps, I, I just put, the icon is the icon. There is no gimmick. Like, he doesn't call himself this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, I'm better than you and you know it, and maybe he doesn't believe it. He was named, He was dubbed the icon for a reason. Exactly. This isn't a gimmick. This is Sting. This is what this man has done in the 80s, 90s, all the way up to up and through Sunday. And I don't know if there's anybody better. Like, I know Flair has more titles. I know there are people that have gotten to, that are bigger draws. But I don't know if over the course of a career, anyone has been as good as Sting. People forget 2015, he broke his neck. He was supposed to retire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was seven years ago. And look what he's doing now. Yeah. It, like, I... This is no disrespect, like you said, to the legends of wrestling, right? But mm-hmm. if you look at like guys like Undertaker, if you look at guys who went on like these long reigns, like long runs, and then they their body just like broke down, and you could see like they slowed down. Sting mm-hmm. has been consistent. He took that little break in between injuring his neck and then coming to AEW, but Sting has been consistent since the eighties yeah. and has not missed a beat. Like Never. his whole run in WCW, legendary. Comes to TNA right after. People think that he took a long break. He was doing appearances in TNA in 2002, 2003 in the Asylum, mm-hmm. right? Like, people forget about that whole run before he came back to team up. Yeah, with he was Cage. doing like, one-offs every year until yeah. he came back to TNA And a lot time. of international stuff, too. He was wrestling in World Wrestling All-Stars and all that shit, mm-hmm. right? So he was doing all this, still consistent, had an amazing run in TNA. Now, the WWE run, it is what it is. Like, it obviously was not on his, like, part. It seemed like, you know... Not to say like he was buried because I, I hate when people are like, oh, he buried. No, I think that it was more of, you know, WWE wanted to like test the waters, see like what would happen if Sting came in. But we have to like beat him just because that's the WWE style. We knew what we were going to get. Yeah, unfortunately. But still, even when he was doing like WrestleMania and when his, his match with Seth before he got injured was still a really good matchup. And it was a great is, match. And then you come to AEW and you're still putting on great matches where you have one of the most Talked about tag teams in like the last two decades, the Young Bucks in the matchup. And we're still talking about Sting more than the Young Bucks. You have yeah. an up and comer in Darby Allen who's been putting on stellar performances for like the last three years in AEW. And we're still talking, we're about, still Sting. talking about Sting. Former IWGP champion Shingo. in Shingo. We're still yeah. talking about Who's Sting. amazing, but yeah. we're still talking about Sting. <laughs> exactly. So that's a testament to Sting. Like Sting is the man. I don't care what anybody oh, says. It, it, no, it truly, it, it really truly is. And, you know, I'm hoping, you know, as we're talking about this show, I keep thinking to myself, I'm hoping this isn't a one-off. Like, we get this, you know, once a year. And I'm also keeping my fingers crossed because I've heard he's on, like, his retirement tour. Next year at Forbidden Door, I want to see, like, Muda's last match versus Sting. Yeah. Those two had iconic clashes for in different decades. So to kind of end all, you know, kind of end his career in the, at least maybe last match in the United States, because that was one of his first rivalries in the U.S. with Sting. Yeah. So to kind of come full circle as he, as he walks out the door and, and Muda's probably on that level with Sting, like he still wrestles and he's still damn good. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I, yeah, I think they could I have a tremendous, that. you know, a, a tremendous one final match. Like it's not going to be, you know, their prime, but it's still going to be good. Yeah. You, you know, they can, they still have enough collectively to put on a great match and send Muda off properly. It would have been awesome if they even did that in this match. Like it, you could have had like, you could have still did like a trios match and have have like Muda on one team and Sting on the other team and you'd have like them meet in the ring. Just oh yeah. For that moment. Like when they when they said something about the time bomb not being able to make it, I was disappointed at first and then I was like, do you think they could get Muda? Yeah. Because if you put him in there with Sting, now all of a sudden it changes things. I know he's not part of the Bullet Club. I get it. <laughs> I mean, he was a member of NWO. It would make but, sense for an honorary member of the Bullet Club for one night. So. That's that exactly so where cool. I was going with this, my yeah. friend. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike, right? <laughs> yes. Great hardcore minds think right. exactly alike. <laughs> it definitely would have. It definitely would have been dope to see Muda. And I know, I, I know people were saying during the. Uh, someone said during the post uh, match scrum or the post fight scrum, right? Where someone mentioned, "Oh, bring in Muda," and Tony Khan actually mentioned Muda. Oh, well, he's he's a part of Noah now. I mean, when Ring of Honor did the joint show with uh, New Japan in Madison Square Garden, if you remember, Muda showed up. Muda showed up, and he was a part of Noah back then too. He wasn't in New Japan Pro Wrestling, so it, it's it's more than capable. Of, and fuck that, New Japan did a show in Noah earlier this year. They right. did a joint show. So <laughs> they on, did like, a joint show like three months ago. <laughs> exactly. Like you can't get Muda. Come on. That would have been anyway. awesome. But if we can make it, like, if Muda makes it that long, we get back to this pay-per-view, I would love to see that last match in, in the United States be like Muda and Sting one it would, last it would, time. It wouldn't be the last. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that we see Muda in AEW, too, if you remember. I believe he was one of the judges at uh, All Out. Oh, yeah. Uh, 2019, I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Match, I forgot. He was a judge or something. I forgot all about that. I honestly <laughs> Yeah, it was him, Malenko, and somebody else. I can't yeah. remember. It might have been Jerry Lynn. I believe that was the uh, Sean Spears-Cody Rhodes match. They had, like, judges yeah. just in case. Yeah. I don't know. My, my mind just has things constantly, like, running through, like, wrestling history. That's that's all the... the oh, no, I understand. Like. I always call it the mind of a psycho because I have this stuff. Even when I talked about Muda, all of a sudden, and I said he's not part of the, the Bullet Club, immediately I got the flash of him in the NWO. <laughs> yeah. Wait, by the way, like... To think of like all the cool face paints and masks that Muda had, that mm-hmm. all the blackface with the NWO, I think that's like I know people hate on that, but that's still iconic. Like that was a that dope sh- iconic. That face shit paint. was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that shit was amazing. You hate on it because you can't do it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So it was announced after this matchup, September twenty second, AEW is returning to New York City. I'm excited for that. I've only yeah. only been to one AEW show, and that was last year's Grand Slam at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium. So definitely, I hope to be at this one. Um, if you're willing to make the trip, I hope to see you there. Like, <laughs> Come up to the Arthur Ashe Center. I, I wouldn't mind, honestly. I had a chance to go last year, and then my son got sick. And he was like, all right, I guess we're selling our tickets. Fuck. I've never been. <laughs> yeah, you got to do what you got to do. But yeah, yeah, yeah I'm excited know. that they're coming back. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely excited for it. Because the last Grand Slam was an amazing show and had a huge you know a huge like live crowd but i mean live live like they were yeah. off the chain and uh, and i was going things were things were tighter at that point too as far as pandemic went so now you're some of the restrictions are loosened and people are a little easier like yeah you probably get a bigger crazier crowd this year <laughs> oh, for sure and just like to put it 
in perspective, I've been going to wrestling shows since 1997, right? I was three years old when I went to my first wrestling show and I've been going consistently ever since. Yeah. I've been to many different promotions, ECW, WWE, a, uh, well, this is my first AW, but uh, Impact Wrestling. I've been to a bunch of Ring of Honor shows. Ring of Honor was mm-hmm. like a normal thing. Every time they were in New York, we were there. But all those years, that matchup between Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson may still be my favorite match to ever see live. That was a great match. Great matchup. And that's <laughs> that years of me going match. to wrestling shows. And I've been to big shows. It wasn't just like house shows I was going to. I've been to big shows. That matchup was still my favorite matchup just because yeah. of the atmosphere. Forget and that matchup, was one of the notes I took crazy. like, you know, the fan poo-poos for this show and everything. People were poo-pooing that match. Like, oh, how do you debut the Dragon against a heavyweight champion? And somebody's going to somebody's gonna have to lose. Somebody's going to lose their momentum. Somebody's going to have to look weak. And, and then when it, when it came off, I went, that's how. <laughs> exactly. And I know that it's such hypocrites because then you got people saying, oh, how do you debut CM Punk against a bunch of jobbers? But then how do you debut him against the world champion? Like, you can never make people happy. People are going to hate. Just never. Because, you know. Never. Next up on the show, we have the AEW Women's Championship matchup, Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm. I personally thought it was a really good matchup. It was a great match. I, I really enjoyed it. I know uh, for some reason, I see a lot of people saying that I enjoyed every match besides the women's match. I don't know why. Yeah, why? Yeah, I don't know why <laughs> Thunderstorm gets this hate. I know she's not the best on the mic, right? But that's, that's fine because when she's in the ring, she more than makes up for that. And her Man. and Tony Storm had great chemistry with each other. Like, I, I definitely enjoyed this. And I'm really happy. Like, I'm a big Tony Storm fan. But I'm really happy that Thunder Rosa's title reign is going to continue here. Yeah. I mean, they did a very, they did a very small build. The, the usual, you know, Tony's in trouble. Thunder Rosa comes to a rescue. Thunder's in trouble. Tony comes to a rescue back and yeah. forth. And they kind of have that mutual respect for one another. Hence the handshake after the match. But the match itself was amazing. And if you go back to the last pay-per-view, Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa had a build. And that build was, for lack of a better term, terrible. You know, like their their live promos were awful, like the whole thing. And, and I'm sitting there watching this going, can we just get to this match? Because I know this match is going to be amazing. Yeah. Like, I know it. And... I had to sit through four or six weeks of them going back and forth and cutting these promos. And no, Thunder Rosa is not very good on a mic. And Serena Deeb does not have a lot of experience being on a live mic on national TV. Yeah. So I, I, I knew like this part's going to be horrible. Once we get to the match itself, it is going to be amazing. And that's exactly what it was. So going into this, AEW just kept it with a minimal build. Like, we're not going to let them talk. We're not going to let them talk. We're not going to do whatever. Just one saves the other, and then they have a match, and then they have their respect, and then they move on. And with all the reports of Thunder Rosa having issues in the locker room on top of it, I thought the outcome of this match would probably show you the validity of these reports. For sure, yeah. So to see Thunder Rosa retain that title and walk out, Maybe makes me think that some of those reports were embellished, created, yeah. made up, you know, <laughs> or at the very least exaggerated. Exaggerated, yeah. at the to say the least, because why would they? Why wouldn't they just pull the title off her and have her sit in the back? Yeah, especially if she's unprofessional and she's like being too stiff with people. Like, I don't think something like that's gonna fly. Like, no. not not in AEW. No, not in AEW. Yeah. No. 
No way. But if you want to talk about stiff, this is the second mm. time where uh, I seen Tony Storm do that, like running like hip thrust into the corner. Mm-hmm. And she did it on Marina Shafir on Wednesday. And then she did yep. it here on Thunder Rosa. And both times it looked like she knocked them out. Like yeah. the head rattling back and forth. Like that was. Yeah. Either the two of them sold that beautifully. Yeah. Or she just put a little extra stank on it. No pun uh-huh. intended. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for sure. Like I, it looked like she could have knocked her out with her tailbone or something. Because Thunder Rosa's head just like rattled back. Like, was, like ripped back and her, yeah. eyes, and her eyes closed and everything. It was like, oh, she's out. <laughs> yeah. And I like how in the end, um, her little like homage to. Dustin Rhodes to win the matchup. I thought that was really cool too. Oh, the final reckoning. Yeah, yeah. that was cool. Now, that was I, very cool. I, I do like that, you know, she's with Dustin Rhodes and like Dustin Rhodes is like helping her or like, I guess like mentoring her. I, I think that um what they should be doing is if you need her to cut a promo, they should have Dustin Rhodes talk for her a little bit more. Like I, Dustin Rhodes is a good talker. And if you're going to have them yeah. as allies, like have her have Dustin Rhodes as Thunder Rose's mouthpiece. Why not? You know, it's it's one of those situations where you where you think, okay, if you need her to cut a promo, just record it and play it going into commercial or something. Make it a snippet. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be a live mic promo. Give, give her the time to get it right, or even just uh, have somebody like Britt Baker work with her. How t- how terrible was Britt on the mic when she came to AEW? Mm-hmm. And look at her now. I mean, somebody had to help her. So whoever helped her or Britt work with people like Thunder Rosa or Sarita Deeb or whoever to get them towards that level where they can grab a live mic and you don't have people just sitting there cringing like, oh man, yeah, can we get sure. so with? Because you know the matches are going to be great. Mm-hmm. The matches are always great. Thunder Rosa is an amazing world-class wrestler. So the matches are going to be great, but how much more emotionally invested would you be if you were into the story? And the way yeah. to really make you emotionally invested into the story is the promos. So and, I think that that would the be the only part missing. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being, I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. powerful is cox internet so powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard get gig speeds powered by fiber from cox it's internet built for tomorrow today internet delivered through cox's hybrid fiber coax network speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms and other restrictions apply 
to the people out there who say like, oh, there aren't enough stories. I, I need a story. The match doesn't hit right because there's no story behind it. I've never been one of those guys. If you put on a great match, I don't care how you did it to build it. It doesn't matter to me. It's like, uh, it's like saying, "Oh man, that that playoff football game was great, but I missed the pregame stuff, so I didn't know what the what the heat was, what the drama yeah. was, or or what was on the line." But it was a great game that came out like it was Kansas City Buffalo last year, where yeah. they go to overtime and all that shit. And you're like, "Oh man!" But if I would have saw the pregame, I would have thought it was a better a better bout a, a better a better game. I didn't have yeah. the background. Like, no, the, the performance speaks for itself. You know, New Japan does that a lot. They're very minimal with their stories over the decades, and they just put guys together and go out and have great match after great match. And they've been around longer than everybody but WWE. Yeah. So maybe it works. Exactly. Like, if they have the track record, it proves that it worked. So next up on this uh, show, we have another match that was built up towards. We have the IWGP US Championship matchup, Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay. I know I was looking forward to this because I know that Orange Cassidy could turn it up. Orange Cassidy is not just a comedy wrestler. If they wanted to have a comedy match, you would have done Orange Cassidy versus Tariano. That's not what you remember here. Orange Cassidy is a guy who does what he does. He does the hands in the pockets. He gets them. It's all mind games. But then when he needs to turn it up, he turns it up and he's a world-class athlete. And this was yeah. a great matchup. Yeah. I mean, if you want a comedy, you could have had Yano or you could have mm-hmm. had the funky weapon versus freshly squeezed or mm-hmm. whatever. But going into this, like when they first started having Cassidy and Osprey build, you know, Bill, I thought, I thought to myself, you know, this is a match I never thought of, but I need to see. Mm-hmm. And they came out and proved to me that uh, how badly I needed to see it from the jump. It was, they were, they were both incredible. Like Cassidy tried, you know, his whole little shtick and, and even Osprey at that one point in the match where he's got him in like the abdominal stretch and he puts his hand in Cassidy's (laughs) pocket and he comes out flipping him, flipping everybody (laughs) off. Like, Oh, that was in there. Sorry. (laughs) Like it was so back and forth. It, 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 it kept you on the edge of your seat the entire time. But you know what? At the end of the day, the real winner is Juice Robinson because he's the one up in the, in the rafters with the title belt and Tony yeah. Storm. And you guys are sitting here beating the shit out of each other to be called a champion. You ain't even got the, even all the title, right? <laughs> I, did, I did think that uh, Juice Robinson was going to play more of a part in this matchup, but I was glad that he did it because I think that it only added to the matchup more to have it clean. And then... The incredible surprise that was definitely a surprise. I was, I didn't recognize the music at first. So basically, Aussie Open and Will Ospreay they attack Orange Cassidy after the matchup. The Punky Vice comes to make the save, but they're already tired. They wrestled earlier on in a like real grueling matchup, so they they were not at 100%. Aussie Open didn't have a matchup on the show, so they just took out the Punky Vice with ease. And then the music hits, everyone's popping. I at first, I to be honest, I didn't recognize the music. So I was like, I had forgot out. it too. Who is this? I was like, wait, who is that? And then when <laughs> I saw Shibata come out, Katsuyori Shibata is one of my favorite New Japan pro wrestlers of all time. Like, yeah. the guy legit went down with the injury for headbutting somebody so hard. Okada mm-hmm. in the title match. And I then wa- worked- I watched that match. I was like, holy shit, is he okay? Like, that, yeah. it, it, it didn't even look like it's something that he's done a million times in a one million and one catastrophic injury and you're like oh shit yeah he's 
he's done. You know, this isn't like Edge where maybe one day, you know, you just thought he's done. Like the he has the literal broken skull. Like, like he sure. that's it. And then I, you see him show up. I on my notes, it just says, "Holy fucking shit balls!" It's Shibata. <laughs> I don't know if you could. Uh, hold up. I think the uh, the background's going to prevent it, but yeah, I just said, "Holy shit, Shibata's here." in all caps because yeah like i was freaking out that's a guy that i did not expect to see on this show and to have him come out here i hope that they do because i know shibata did come back for uh i believe he was did he wrestle at wrestle kingdom i believe he was like coming back for a match yeah he wrestled at wrestle kingdom uh, last last time out and so he's kind of been back and forth since like yeah so if if he's like a attraction like a once in a while wrestler if this builds up to shibata versus will osprey at whatever the next big show is king of pro wrestling or wrestle kingdom. I think that that's going to be amazing. I also like that Shibata put on a uh, orange Cassidy's glasses, which was a really cool. Moment yeah, that was cool. Shibata is more like a real serious, like wrestler, like no nonsense. And then orange Cassidy is like the exact opposite. So for him to yeah. have like a little bit of like that personality, I thought that was really cool. A great. Moment. Oh yeah. Shibata's always been like that stone face killer in the all black, you know, yeah. he doesn't make a lot of big hand movements. He doesn't show a lot of emotion to, so to see him grab like the aviators and throw them on, that was probably, that was probably the most ridiculous thing he's ever done. And it wasn't <laughs> even that ridiculous. Right? <laughs> put on sunglasses, but not for sure. Next matchup. We have Zack Sabre Jr. Versus Brian Danielson's mystery opponent for Zack Sabre Jr. This was probably moment of the night. Huge pop, Claudio Castagnoli. I was excited. Like as as much as like we, a lot of people called it going into the show. It was when it was actually confirmed where I was still shocked. Like, damn, that's crazy. He's here, and I'm a big Claudio fan. I've been watching him for many many years. So to see him come back as Claudio Castagnoli, I thought that was really cool that he has that name once again. Um, I know he trademarked, I believe, Claudio Cesaro. If he mm-hmm. So I thought that was a possibility he's going to come back as Claudio Cesaro, which I just think it, it sounds cool, but like, you know, Claudio Castagnoli is the way to go. Like, I, I think he basically trademarked some version of it with like a letter missing in Cesaro. Yeah, like CRSO or something, right? So that he could use yeah. it on like social media so people that didn't know Claudio could be like, oh, it's Cesaro. Okay, follow. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. And vice versa. People that didn't know Cesaro were like, oh shit, Claudio's back? You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but I've been a huge a fan. Match. Oh, yeah. I've been sure. a huge fan of Claudio for a long time. Like, I love the Kings of Wrestling, him and Chris Hero. Oh my God, were they a great tag team? If yeah. we end if we can end up with that in AEW, I'm a happy guy. But <laughs> yeah, because he's available. Him. I don't know what I don't know how, but he's available. <laughs> yeah, I I was a huge King of Wrestling fan. I, I remember um their matches with the Briscoes were always great. I, I always enjoyed their little uh, their trios matches when they had uh, Sarah Del Rey with the team. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, the Kings of Wrestling is awesome. Chris Hero, one of my favorite wrestlers. Like, come on, man. You got to come Mine back. Mine, too. You got to come back. Mine, too. I have a buddy that was trained by Chris Hero. So, really? I, uh, I have a few ties with him. I, I absolutely love the guy. Like, I, I was so sad when Cassius Ono showed up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually started training because of Chris Hero. I went to a show and it was a meet and greet and he was like, oh, damn, you got some size on. You ever thought about training? And then I was like, oh, maybe I could do this. <laughs> but after like, you know, after about two months, I was like, maybe I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe he, I'll go he, into uh, podcasting. 
he said the same thing to me too. He's like, "What are you like six four? You could, you should be training. You you'd probably be pretty good." I was, like, I don't know, and and I tried, and it didn't work out very well. <laughs> same here, <laughs> but this matchup was a banger. This was a great matchup. It was. I, at first, I thought they were going to do uh, Zach Saber Jr. dirty because when Claudio mm. hit the start, like jump starts the match, hits the European uppercut, and then goes right into the neutralizer, I was like, "Oh man, this is it!" I'm like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't bring in somebody like Zach Saber Jr. and do him like that. Like if it was like a job or somebody, but not Zach. Yep. But this yep. was it ended up being a really good matchup, and I'm glad to see Claudio here. I'm happy he's going to be in blood and guts, and I'm happy he's going to be here full time because I know. I wasn't sure if this was going to be somebody that was like a one-off appearance just for the show, or is this going to be somebody that's going to be making more appearances in AEW? And from the post, uh, the post-show scrum, it was announced by Tony Khan that Claudio has been signed for quite a while. It's just that we, he waited to like the perfect moment. And then when Brian Danielson went down with injury and he told, uh, he told Tony Khan, he wasn't going to be able to wrestle for the show. Brian Danielson actually suggested, let's just use Claudio. So I don't know what the original plan was for Claudio, but I think that this worked out perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, I know, uh, and I loved I loved Zach Saber Jr. calling calling the dragon out, like saying, "Oh, he's not cleared. I want to see those medical records." <laughs> like this dude is ducking me. I'm yeah. like, "Yes, do you, Zach? Do you?" <laughs> I'm a huge Zach fan. And and when Cesaro, I mean, when Claudio came out. And hit that neutralizer and everything. My, I, I put my I put my notes like, oh no, big time Bex 2.0. Like yeah. comes back, 30 second match, everybody's pissed. Nope, nope, we didn't get that. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad to see him in AEW. I know he could have gone anywhere. You know, you, you get everybody with the oh, he'd do better at impact, or oh, the bloated roster. I don't give a shit. I'm glad he's an impact. I'm glad he is where he is. I'm glad he showed up to have this match with Zack Sabre Jr. because it was amazing. Yeah. The only thing that I'm somewhat concerned about was what they brought up during the, you know, at, towards the end of the pay-per-view and during the match. Like, yeah, he's a member of the Blackpool Combat Club and he's going to be in blood and guts, but he and Eddie Kingston get along even worse than he and Brian Danielson. Yeah. Like, they've had a storied rivalry that's lasted from Chikara on and... and Apparently there was even some altercation after the show like went off air or something like that between Kingston and, and Claudio. And I was like, Oh God, here we go again. <laughs> I think that if anything, I think that it's probably going to lead into Eddie Kingston's next feud because yeah. you have blood and guts. That should be the blow off with the Jericho appreciation society, just because it's been going on for quite a while. I'm excited yeah. for blood and guts, but I think that everybody should be going on to their next Exactly. Yeah, you got to think after blood and guts, they're just going to move on and have Eddie roll with proud, powerful to yeah. whatever the next feud will be. And Claudio could be that for Eddie, but it's just like, Oh, man, here we go again. Like you have this amazing team with the Blackpool combat club and they're going to beat themselves just like they did at the last, just like they did a double or nothing. Yeah. Like, like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I know um, even after, like, it looked like right before the show went off the air, I don't know, it looked like Eddie Kingston may have spit on Claudio, too. Like, that's what that's that's what I was reading. Like, as they yeah. were, or as, or when they went off air, there was this altercation, Kingston spit at him, and you know, all this. And it's like, Eddie, can you? Uh, who doesn't always, 
But one time, can you just not have beef and hold your temper just once? Or CM once. Punk has beef with Kingston. <laughs> Brian Danson has beef with Kingston. Beef with Kingston. Claudio, Claudio beef with Kingston. Yeah, it's like, come on, man. Just one time. Take one for the team, please. <laughs> just just once. Just, just be a team player one time so you can look at the bigger picture of like, oh, yeah, right. I'm supposed to be fucking Jericho up. <laughs> exactly. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. like you may have issues with these dudes on your team but i think your bigger issue is with jericho they didn't throw a fireball in your face or call themselves a wizard exactly that's another thing is this AEW or is this dungeons and dragons what the fuck are we talking about wizards for every week (laughs) chris jericho is one ridiculous guy man is danny corsia his orc what the fuck is going on (laughs) (laughs) next matchup we have the co-main event iwgp world heavyweight champion Jay White defending against Hangman Page, Adam Cole, and Kazuchika Okada, who, by the way, another huge pop for Okada. Huge. I've seen Okada a couple times live with Ring of Honor for, like, the War of the Worlds shows that they would do. But honestly, like, you never – it's one of those guys, like, when he comes to the United States, it's a big deal. No matter how many times I see Okada in the United States, he's still, like, a huge deal when he's wrestling on American television. Absolutely. I mean, he, he got like the punk mess. pop, you know? Yeah, like, if sure. you think about it, when punk came out in Chicago, you didn't even hear his music. You just heard that, and people went mm-hmm. crazy. When Okada came out, they didn't even get to his music. You just heard the coins. Yeah. That was it. And people went nuts. And the big difference, <laughs> and the big difference is people knew punk was going to be there, but it was still a surprise. Okada was booked for this matchup, and he yeah. still got the same ovation, which is a huge testament to him. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Rainmaker, I don't care where he goes. That man is over. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, you know, people throw that term around. But if you want to get if you want to know what over is, see, see the Rainmaker. See Kazuchika Okada. That man is over no matter where he shows up. He can show up in Germany and that crowd will go insane. (laughs) Word. We we just were talking about Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson at uh, Grand Slam last year. And if you Mm -hmm. remember when that bell rang at Grand Slam, before they even touched, the whole crowd rose to their went off. and went off, right? I'd never seen that until that point. And this is a second time that this happened. Before mm-hmm. that match started, before anyone touched, the bell rang, and that crowd just all rose to their feet and was just cheering and going crazy. 
I thought that that added so much to this matchup because the atmosphere was just electric and alive. And this is yeah. about four hours in to the show. They had the one-hour buy-in with matches. This is the yep. co-main event, and that crowd was as loud as ever. So that was a huge moment. Yeah, you're matchup, right, though. It was that same moment. Like, they were staring at each other, and the crowd was going crazy yeah. and chanting, this is awesome. And I'm thinking, nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> Like they're just there. I know, and it's awesome. Okay, <laughs> they're in the same ring. <laughs> it's so, gonna happen, you know. <laughs> in a couple seconds, it's gonna happen. <laughs> Any second now. Definitely, I, I really enjoyed this matchup. I, I thought that everyone had their moment to shine, especially Hangman Page. He looked like he was really. There's many points in this matchup where I thought that Hangman Page may have like got the upset. Like, he, he yeah. looked like a megastar in this matchup. Okada got his chance to shine. Jay White is Jay White. He's always going to shine. And Adam Cole oh, looked like a million bucks as well. Adam Cole with that, um, when Hangman Page was going for the moonsault and he catches him with the super kick. Right in the on face the money. with the super kick. On the like, money. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, that was my my Ouchtown Population you bro moment of the night. Adam Page, upside down, takes a super kick right in the side of the head. It was like, oh! nasty right <laughs> on the chin when they slowed it up it was right on the chin yeah, it was right like, right across the cheek of the chin like yeah. pinpoint because <laughs> i've seen him do that before and it's like the accuracy to get somebody while they're flipping in the air like right on the money it's very hard mm -hmm. the match ends though when okada goes for the rainmaker adam cole ducks and then jy hits the uh, blade runner on okada and then pins adam cole as soon as the pin, he gets the one, two, three, and then you see Jay White talking to the referee. Next thing you know, we see medical attention given to Adam Cole. I don't know what the situation was, but yeah. it definitely looked like Adam Cole was injured or hurt. From, from what I could piece together, before Okada went for the Rainmaker, he hit him with, well, Excalibur called it the landslide. It was like that tombstone pile driver type move where he drops to his ass. Yeah. And and honestly, it gave me a little bit of Owen Hart flashbacks with Stone Cold. But but after that, he tried to pick him up and give him the Rainmaker. Adam fell. You saw Adam Cole like dropped. Leave. Yeah, like he didn't even duck. He just fell. And uh, then Jay White gets in, hits you know hits his move, and Okada rolls out of the ring. And and I'm only speculating at this point, but I figured Okada didn't realize that Adam Cole was hurt. Yeah. He was just going with the match as planned. Like, cause there was probably another, there was like a buckshot after that or something, you know, planned for it. So he did his part and Jay realized Adam was hurt. So he just drug him out, covered him, got the three count real quick. And then he was in the referee's ear while getting his hand raised in his title back. Yeah. And then you, uh, uh, they pan into Jay white, but as they're panning in, you can see the referee like throwing up the X and here come the officials and everything else. And Adam Cole still hasn't moved. It looked like Adam Cole was even going to kick out. Like, and Jay White was like just holding him down, like just to end the match. Yeah, like, dude, don't move. Yeah, because if you see, like, <laughs> at, at two, Adam Cole's arm is like moving, but Jay White's like holding him down with his weight. Like, he couldn't get that. Yeah, like, no, no, no. Like, nope. just stop. Yeah, because, <laughs> like, at, you're done. At that point, like, I don't know. Like, the only thing that I could think of happened is maybe Adam Cole got concussed. And with a concussion, like I've been concussed, like I passed out one time, smacked my oh, head yeah. on the floor, and I've been concussed. And you wake up and like you have no idea what's going on, right? So when I guess you know he might have been knocked out, maybe I don't, I'm not 100 sure what happened. But if he was concussed or if he blacked out even for a second, 
he probably woke up, realized he was in the match and was like trying to like get instincts back. Like I got to kick out. I'm probably not the one who's supposed to be pinned. Also, yeah. a lot of people don't even remember that Adam Cole, he, he's been injured for the last month or so. He hasn't mm-hmm. been wrestling. This is his first match back. So he's coming off of injury as well. We saw he had the tape on the shoulder and he yep. looked like he was coming out of an injury. So I don't know. I, I hope he gets better soon. Speedy recovery, of course. Like it's sad that another guy that goes down, but definitely it was good to hear that Excalibur said that he did walk out of the ring on his own accord. But yeah, I he just, had to be know. helped by the referees because that's what I was gonna say. Like he was, you know, they 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 had like doctors and everything come look at him in the ring, yeah. and then they the doctors and reps kind of rolled him out, threw arms over their shoulders, and he kind of walked out. But he was definitely at least, you know rattled yeah so you might be right about the concussion i had heard something about a shoulder and you know about him re-injuring the shoulder in the match that was taped um i don't know exactly what it is but i'm pretty sure that's why that match finished the way that it finished because it was it was amazing up until the finish yeah and you just thought there is no way they planned this yeah you know and then when you started to see like if you were watching close enough and you see Switchblade after the Blade Runner and everything it, in the refs here, like, hey, man, you know, he's not good. And, yeah. and then you see the doctors roll it in and Adam Cole is still laying there and he technically never took a move. You're like, OK, yeah, yeah the- he ducks the he ducks the Rainmaker and then gets pinned. He wasn't hit. So it definitely seemed like something was up. I, I, I thought that was a pretty scary moment because like, yeah, afterwards, like he just looked days i thought all right is he selling what's going on then i see uh jay talking to the ref and then you see medical attention given to him and like you said he didn't take a move for the finish so it was like gosh what's going on here yeah like that was that was a shoot injury and they were just like we got to get out of this and get him help as soon as possible and it's understandable you know it's it's a shame that a match of that magnitude with those four guys had end that way because all the way up and through it that match was beautiful i was saying just like I was saying with FTR, like, damn, this could be a match of the year candidate. And then it had to end that way. But Adam Cole's health is more important than any kind of like award you could win for the match. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And like I said, if, you know, if he is legit injured, I, I hope he gets better soon. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, I I know, guys, I know there are people out there. Oh, that ruined the whole match. It's like, just, just have you been there? Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you know this happens in wrestling? Like we, we had a WrestleMania main event cut from 20 some minutes down to five because both competitors injured themselves inside five minutes. Yeah. And we're supposedly having a rematch at SummerSlam for that same reason. Now you're complaining that they cut a 25-minute match short because Adam Cole got hurt. Yeah, I saw one person even said, oh, they should have rolled him out and continued the match. Come on. Yeah, continue it with three people. Why? Stop. Are you just on that because Dax left and the triple threat continued and you think this is the same thing? Because it clearly didn't look like it. To be honest, like, you know, I know the wrestlers are here to put on entertainment for the fans, but... 100% 100% in my eyes, the safety of the wrestlers always comes first. Absolutely. So if someone's hurt, I I would feel like it would have been a little dirty if they just like rolled out or injured Adam Cole and continued the match. Yeah, just get like, the fuck out of here. We got shit to do. 
Yeah, like, come on, that's, <laughs> that's kind of fucked up. So I, I, I have no problem with I. Only problem I have with it is if Adam Cole is hurt. Like I don't want him to be hurt. Yeah. But besides that, I have no problem with how they handled it. And honestly, you gotta you gotta give a lot of credit to the switchblade because he was the only one in the ring at the time that noticed the injury, and he just said, "Okay, we're not going any further." Yeah. And covered Adam Cole and got him out of there and got him help as soon as possible. I don't think he could have done anything better given the circumstances because just kicking him out of the ring, you don't you don't know what's injured on him. What if he's got a neck injury? You roll him onto the floor. Yeah, now, exactly. now the guy may never walk again, so we can have a match. No. Exactly. No, no, I, I, I have too much respect for guys putting their body on their uh, on the line, let alone too much respect for Adam Cole to let his career end in order to continue. Yes, yeah, a great match, but to just basically give us our money's worth. Like, exactly. like that's 50 bucks ain't worth it. No, I 100 percent agree. We're on the same page with that one. Main event, we have the AEW Interim World Championship matchup, John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. I know a lot of questions was, oh, which was going to end the show? Was it going to be the four-way for the IWGP or this matchup? I think that this matchup going on last was the right thing to do, especially because this this looked like an AEW show. And I had a bit of a problem with that. Like, I'm not going to lie. I loved when uh, Ring of Honor's G1 Supercard, they had... Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We just just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion a joint like new japan ring of honor ring they made it yeah. look like it was two companies coming together this looked like an aw pay-per-view featuring new japan talent right so a little yeah yeah i, I wish it was more of a like oh we got more like elements of uh new japan in it too since it's supposedly two companies coming together to form this show and not just aw running a pay-per-view featuring this talent of new japan i thought it would have been cool but with that being said since i saw in the beginning like it was more of like an aw production I knew that the AEW title match was going to be the one that ends it. And I enjoyed this matchup. I think that Tanahashi put on a hell of a performance. And so did John Moxley. I thought that this was a really good matchup. Yeah. Moxley busted open, you know, that bleeding buckets. Uh, 
Tanahashi, man, the guy doesn't age. Fucking no. high fly flow, flying ace. The guy does not age. And I think that he is one of the most I don't, I, I don't even know how to say it. Like, biggest stars that is probably underappreciated in wrestling. I've been saying for yeah. years it's, like, cliche, but – and as corny as it sounds, like, I've been calling him, like, the John Cena of of Japan in general. Not even New Japan, but of Japan. He's one of the biggest yeah. stars, top guy for, like, the last 20 years, and still wrestling to – wrestling in a pace with a guy like John Moxley where this didn't look like it didn't belong in the main event. This looked like a main event matchup that fit. Only thing is, like, I thought, personally, it would have been really interesting if Tanahashi won the matchup. Just because yes. I thought that it would have been great to see the AEW World Champion showcase during the uh, G1 uh, Climax. I thought that it would be great to have AEW have guys going to Japan chasing Tanahashi for that title. And then the... I know Tanahashi wants to have a matchup against CM Punk at Wrestle Kingdom. So mm-hmm. I think that this would have been cool if we continued the partnership with New Japan by having New Japan hold AEW's top title. But I'm not mad at it. I, like I said, I'm a John Moxley fan. Like, I think that his first title reign was great. It was a shame that a lot of it was during the pandemic. So fans weren't really in attendance to see it. So I don't know. Like, it was a win-win for me. I didn't think that either way, like, I was going to enjoy the outcome of this matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Going into the show, you know, people have been asking like, well, you know, how do we not know that this this pay-per-view is just a one-off? You know, they'll just do this and then they'll go back to Japan and AEW will keep going. We'll never get this again. And I thought the best way to make sure, guarantee that this is not a one-off event is just flip titles. Imagine if somebody like Hangman or Adam Cole wins the IWGP title. And then in the main event, Tanahashi takes the AEW title. I know it's an interim. Some people said it was pretend. Look, look, look. They didn't strip Punk for a reason. They tried to they tried to set this promotion up as if it were, were a combat sport. Anybody that watches boxing or watches UFC knows if the if there's a champ and he's hurt, they don't strip that champ. They crown an interim champ, mm-hmm. and then they later come back when the champion is recovered and have a unification match. AEW is set up the same way. They proved that with the TNT title when Cody Rhodes couldn't make it. They get Sammy became interim champ. Then they had the ladder match to unify it. They're going right along with this. Yeah. So uh, that's a pretend championship. Like Stephanie McMahon is pretend CEO. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. Uh, that that's number one. Number two, had they flipped those titles, then, you know, at one point or another, Somebody's going to have to come to an AEW pay-per-view to, f- to fight for the IWGP title. Somebody like CM Punk might have to go to Japan, say, take on Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom like he was supposed to at Forbidden Door. And, and now, we've got, now we've got, you know, a flow of talent going both ways so we don't have to, you know, so we don't have to worry about whether or not we'll see this again. Because I, I yeah. want to see it again. Um, unfortunately it didn't end up that way, but I, I, I thought from the very beginning, if they don't give Mox and Tanahashi this main event spot, they've done something wrong because this is what started the forbidden door. Like Mox calling him out year after year, you know, even to a point where there were open contracts for new Japan to fight Mox and, and Mox is trying to tell everybody the ace better sign that contract, and he never yeah. did. 
So when we finally get this matchup, if it's not main event, something is something has gone horribly wrong. So I thought that was perfect. I, I'm okay with Mox bleeding, but when even the announced team can't figure out why you're bleeding, there's the problem. Yeah. You know, like he got hit with a sling blade, he rolled out of the ring, and when he came up, he was covered in blood. And I know they were trying, I think JR said like, oh, well, you know, he took that headbutt and it probably busted him open and we, we didn't notice it until after. JR you know, was playing like, damage control. <laughs> oh, that's a good cover, JR. Right. <laughs> that's, why you've been in the, that's why you've been in this business since before I was fucking born. You are, you are damn good at what you do, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, yeah, that was a little bit of a problem. But other than that, match was an absolute war. Like it, it, it literally, it, 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 it delivered on, on everything that I thought and, and that was promised to us. Tanahashi is beyond amazing. Like I have to call him the flair of Japan because Cena doesn't give him enough credit. Cena has five moves. Tanahashi doesn't. Tanahashi has moves and moves and moves and moves. <laughs> he, he is the Ric Flair of all of Japan. He's won that IWGP title more than anyone. He's held every belt there is to hold. He's done everything there is to do. So walking in and losing to Mox doesn't really do anything to, you know, to hurt him or kill momentum because we got to see it. And either way, we were going to see history. We were either going to see the first New Japan talent to hold an AEW title, or we were going to see the first two-time AEW champion in Mox. And like you said, when Mox had the belt, he was a great champion, but he was a champion during pandemics, during lockdowns. He barely got out in front of a crowd. When he did, it was limited. So why not give him a little bit of a reward for carrying you through that to, and let him be interim, ch- interim champ for a couple months? Let him go get these pops from the crowd, have these blood and guts matches, do whatever till Punk gets back. Because he earned it. He absolutely earned it carrying them through one of the worst times in recorded history at what was the start of AEW as a promotion. You know, they had barely been on TV for a year. Yeah. And a few months before Mox won the title, you had the whole thing where Kenny and the EVPs were in the ring saying, this may be our last show. Like they literally didn't know. And all of a sudden, not only do they continue, they continue down the line. Mox gets the belt. Things take off. Kenny comes in from there. And who knows where they'd be without him? So it was kind of the perfect fit. I would have loved to see Tanahashi take that back to Japan. I love the ace. I love the ace with a passion. Dude, like two, Probably my two favorite New Japan wrestlers of all time are him and Shinsuke. End of list. <laughs> yeah. For in sure. my lifetime, him and Shinsuke. I'm not I old miss, enough for I miss Inoki. Shinsuke with New Japan so much. I miss Shinsuke so with New much. Japan so bad. Yeah. Someone was trying to tell me on another show that, you know, these New Japan guys are just plug and play. And I'm like, you can't replace Shinsuke Nakamura. Nah. You cannot replace Hiroshi Tanahashi. Not, not, it, it's not just, oh, he comes out, we have a new ace. Like, no. Yeah. no. It's like even, even when um, Jushin Thunder Liger retired. That was another guy that like, you can't replace Liger. And I still feel like as great exactly. as the junior division is, it's like you're missing Jushin Liger. Like you really he was are the staple of that division for like, no, 20. But that's years. the point. No matter how no matter how great wrestling can be, you're never gonna replace some of these guys, whether it be Liger, Muda, 
Shinsuke, the ace, you know, what they did in the times that they did it changed their uh, changed the changed their own promotions there uh, got more eyes uh, from more countries on on places like new japan mm-hmm. for sure they set standards that that nobody's ever going to be able to to change and and so when they go there's always going to be that missing that missing spot i'm not saying they should do like flair and come back at 73 for <laughs> another match please no no even though I feel like Liger and Muda could probably put on a better match than Flair at 73 will, but no. Okay, I feel uh, I feel like you're not wrong on that one. I think they could. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Rick's been working hard. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that once these once these type of talents, you know, once they go, you can't just plug somebody else in in their place. It's not like, yeah. Oh well, you know, Shinsuke is gone. We'll just put a Bushi here. We'll be good. Like, yeah, he was good, but he's not Shinsuke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when Shinsuke left, they, and especially Shinsuke left at the same time as AJ and Carl Anderson, Doc Gallows, mm-hmm. like, you felt a huge hole in New Japan's roster, and it was hard to fill it for a while. And I now, I feel like just now, are we starting to have that hole filled? Because even after that, you had Kenny Omega like rise up from the ashes, but then it's like, all right, now Kenny Omega's gone. So yep. I feel like just now, with like the emergence of Switchblade Jay White, with some of uh, what's called with Will Ospreay being a main event talent with Okada and Tanahashi still holding down the fort with new guys like, you know, Jeff Cobb going over there and like becoming a Mm -hmm. big name. I think that that's like now New Japan is just getting back to where they were before they lost all their top talent. Oh yeah, absolutely. But they've all, they, like I said, they've had to, you know, jump and rebuild because like they lose AJ and good brothers. They come back with Kenny and the Bucks and then Kenny and the Bucks leave. And now they've got, you know, Jay White, and now we're back to the good brother. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> at least at least they were like, all right, we got one of them back, right? They were like, all right, well, you know, I mean, we were gonna use G-O-D, but fuck it, good brothers, you're in. But yeah, so overall, overall, what are you giving this show like out of five? I personally, I gave it the Meltzer six star. No, I'm joking. Now nah, out of uh out of five stars, <laughs> I was gonna I, say, don't go there. No, 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 no. I gave it a strong uh four out of five stars. I think that it was a great show, great crowd, great atmosphere, amazing matches. Um, definitely a shame that the IWGP title match ended the way it happened. I hope that, like I said, Adam Cole's okay. Um, yeah, I think it's a very strong show. And I yeah. really do hope one day we get this again. I, I do wish this becomes like an annual thing. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest, I'm looking at my, because I've been adjusting my rating going up and down as we went through, and I, I was I was probably at four and a half when the IWGP title four-way started. I got down to four and a quarter by the time the, by the time it had ended, just for, you know, some of the little stuff that I talked about, just for, you know, the, the ending of the fatal four-way, and just the mystery blood that JR tried to cover, you know, just a little stuff. Yeah. Not, I don't give a shit if there were stories, you know, a lot of people were saying like they should have had more than one women's match on this card. And it's like, well, okay. But at the same time, we're not sure that stardom wanted anything to do with this. Yeah. And, or if any of the Joshi girls they brought in prior were available so they did the best they could with what they had. They gave us Tony versus Thunder, which was amazing. A great match. Yeah. So I, I, I can't complain about that. It's a New Japan AEW show. Only one of those two promotions has a women's division. 
kind of hard to put together more women's matches when one promotion doesn't have a freaking division. That's a fact. So I, I, I let that go. I let the story stuff go. I let the injury stuff go. Cause that's going to, you know, people are going to get hurt going into wrestling shows. It happens. Yeah, it happens. So, but otherwise I thought it was a great show. I, I gave it four and a quarter out of five just for, you know, some little things. I even bumped it up a little bit because of Claudio showing up. Like originally I was thinking maybe Jonathan Gresham would come in or something like that. Yeah. Which <laughs> and they Jonathan would... Gresham wrestled Zack Sabre Jr. too. That would have been an amazing matchup. Exactly. When he said second most technical next to him, and then he said new Blackpool Combat Club member, I was like, okay, so it's not going to be Yuta because he's the pure champion. So you would think he's the second. He's the second, but I'm looking at what they had, and yeah. I'm saying, all right, if you think AEW's got a bloated roster, here's how we settle this: the Octopus comes in to fight ZSJ. Use somebody from the roster with the Ring of Honor title. Maybe even put it on the line last minute. Like, not only not only am I the mystery opponent, I'm giving you a shot at my belt. Yeah, and you awesome. just throw that in like you did with the ROH tag titles. That that would have been cool, but apparently Gresham's not healed from an injury either. Yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so so Claudio was the next Claudio was the next best pick. Uh, and so I bumped it up a little bit for that. Um I definitely bumped it up for Limitless Swerve and Desperado and Katamura on the buy-in. Because <laughs> that match was fucking fire. Yeah, I gotta check that out for sure. Yeah, you got you might even bump your four up once you see that match, Maybe, right? honestly. I mean, even acclaimed and the ass boys were kind of interesting, especially because um it was just silly shit. Like they all came out, Max did his rap, they got in the ring, and then Danhausen pops up on the screen and the video and song for ass boys starts playing. The whole <laughs> we're the ass boys. Oh man, yeah, now and, I really gotta see that. Now <laughs> Colton and Austin Gunn decide to just jump off the apron and run to the back to go get Danhausen during an eight-way man uh, during an eight-man tag. It's 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 down to Max Caster and Billy Gunn versus the entire dojo. <laughs> <laughs> the entire LA dojo. Yeah, I got it. Like, that. are you guys this fucking stupid? Like, I know you said Tokyo and everything on the way down the ramp, like you do, but you ran off, left your guys in a lurch. You left over, your father. How do you leave your over father? Over a over a, how you gonna leave your father over a song, <laughs> over a song, especially when you got bones behind you screaming, "Let me hear you say ass boy." <laughs> oh, man. It I no love what they're doing. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, even the buy-in was on another level from the typical buy-in. So I, I enjoyed this thing from top to bottom. I, I've got to give it a good score, regardless of injuries before, during, or little things that I might have had a problem with during the show it was still great for sure i don't know so, how much you could more you could have asked from this you know like the yeah. inaugural cross promotional show like everybody goes back to ring of honor in new japan now keep in mind ring of honor and new japan have been working together for years and years before they got to the garden yeah i mean their first show i remember the first war of the worlds where they worked together it was a great show but it wasn't their best show i mean they worked like exactly. you said it was it took a couple trials to put on that garden show so, exactly like Garden Show was great, but like War of the Worlds, good, but you know, lots of room to improve. Because I remember that, sh- I remember that paper, that show myself. Yeah, this was the first effort between these two, and it was very good. Yeah. If you give them a couple more, ch- a couple more cracks at this, with maybe a little bit more time to prepare for it, because this came up in a matter of months. 
you know, it was right before Double or Nothing, Tony came out with the New Japan president and said, we're having this pay-per-view. Yeah. And what, six weeks later, it's on. And usually for a pay-per-view, AEW has like three months in, in between to actually build up for it. This is, like you said, only a couple of weeks of build. So for them to put on a yeah. show like this, I think that's, yeah. you know, a testament to them. Even New Japan, they, they always have tournaments and things to keep you interested, but like their yeah. big shows are kind of split up. So you're, you're asking two promotions that usually take time to build to and create one of your big shows to come together in six weeks and come up with the best you can. Yeah, for sure. And in that, and when you look at it from that perspective, they did a great job. For sure. I think that that's the best way to put it. They did an amazing job. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining me, man. I really enjoyed going through this whole card with you. Oh, man. Pleasure's all mine. I loved it. I'll do this anytime, bro. You're welcome, <laughs> you're welcome to whatever, bro. It's always Likewise, man. You, you know, on. we already had you on. We we came up with the Extreme Hall of Hardcore. We talked yeah, that was about a lot of fun. Forbidden Door a little bit a few weeks ago, and I enjoyed the living hell out of that. Yeah. And I enjoyed the living hell out of this. So you're welcome whenever you feel like coming on. Thank you, man. Likewise. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. So where can people find you? Where can people find the podcast? Oh, man. Um, well, you can find our podcast. We're pretty much available wherever audio podcasts are available. As I'm saying that, I'm reminded I need to put out the audio podcast. So I'll do that. So once I do that, you can catch our latest episode and all episodes wherever podcasts are distributed. Go to anchor.fm backslash TRWT to see all our episodes and all our platforms in one place. Um, you can also find us on YouTube at TRWT parentheses, a Fox Den John, J-A-W-N. It's a Philly thing because it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then as far as socials, most of them are pretty easy. And then one of them won us a Lifetime Achievement Award for Worst Handle Ever. So here it goes. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Top Rope Wrestling Talk. You'll see our public group and you'll see our podcast page. Like, uh, like one, invite yourself to the other. Very different content on, on either one. It, you know it's all of it is great we just enjoy wrestling we have a lot of fun like mikey knows we had a nice live discussion on our facebook group yeah. during the pay-per-view as people were watching just get your comments in and and have fun with fellow fans you know that's what we do there so so definitely come find us um we're still pretty easy you can find us on twitter at top rope wt like that's 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 pretty easy to remember that's pretty simple to say this next one ain't so easy, y'all. I don't know what Bruce was smoking when he came up with this, but you can also find us on Instagram at top underscore rope underscore wrestling underscore talk. I, I want to hate on it, but PWI gave us a Lifetime Achievement Award for worst Instagram handle ever. So at that point, it kind of softens the blow. But you can find us on the gram. You can find us everywhere on social media. Come follow us, subscribe to us, enjoy enjoy what we do, and enjoy wrestling in general. Most definitely. Uh, when it comes to your Instagram handle, my rap group ain't so far behind. We're lords underscore of underscore Gotham. So I, I totally understand the whole underscore. So I'm right what there. What the with fuck you. is with all the underscores, man? Like Bruce <laughs> came up with it. And I was like, this is this is the official name like everything else is just top rope wrestling talk or, or wt you came up with this like this thing that fills up an entire fucking screen it won you an award it won you an it award. did so. it did when he messaged us what the login was and the and the handle was <laughs> the instagram handle cover went all the way across my screen and then and then had a second line I'm like dude <laughs> 
I'm I'm not very familiar with IG because I don't have one personally. That's probably the only one I'll have personally. But yeah. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to have a handle that takes up two lines. <laughs> <laughs> not for sure. But yeah, definitely everybody go follow Top Rope Wrestling Talk. Definitely follow Dom. Thank you. It's a pleasure, man. Thank you so much again. Oh, no. Pleasure's all mine, man. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed for the sure. hell out of this. We got to do this again. And we definitely <laughs> will. We definitely will, man. All right. Take care, bro. Me too. Tough in the hood, till the wolves come. Bitches let a drink in the club, till the wolves come. Surrounded by the sheep in the street, till the wolves come. Everyone strip on the floor, we the wolves done. Who can fuck with the Nero? I got a Snyder extender clip, so who wanna play hero? Go bad shit like Ozzy, I was born in the darkness. Oh, you the wolf till we pull up and you're harmless. So pray to Oliver, the Don Dada, the top shotter, the top spot, final boss you cross, that's when you ride stop. Basquiat with that white chalk, trigger finger streets, while leave your brains on the sidewalk. Niggas that get tough in the hood, till the wolves come. Bitches let a drink in the club, till the wolves come. Surrounded by the sheep in the street, till the wolves come. Everyone strip on the floor, till the wolves come. Heard them got them niggas, they be moving in the packs. Think the shit is sweet, they be plotting in the back. Summertime, better be careful where you at. No matter Addy, nigga, we gon' get you where you lack. Dipping, creeping through the night is precise. Catching nigga slipping for his ice worth your life. Answers yes, well, did nigga pay your price? Right or wrong, when you see the moon, it's on sight. South Bronx, midnight, niggas moving packs cause they hunting. I'm moving packs of that onion, but probably packing them something. Catch him slipping with them coals and he ain't telling us nothing. Catch a nigga fooling twice and then I'm pressing that button. Send his ass away, permanent vacate and start bluffing. Must have moved to Honolulu, changed his name to McLovin. Said you know what you know, that's for the pack to remember. And if a nigga leaking these, we gotta. Niggas say the dead don't talk, but that money do If I put a hole in his melon, I bet his honey do Shorty keep crying and screaming like that's helping you Bullets gave his brain a period for that decimal Niggas that get tough in the hood, till the wolves come Bitches let a drink in the club, till the wolves come Surrounded by the sheep in the street, till the wolves come Everyone strip on the floor, till the wolves come Heard them got them niggas, they be moving in the packs Think the shit is sweet, they be plotting in the back Summertime, better be careful where you're at No matter Addy, nigga, we gon' get you where you lack Dipping, creeping through the night, it's precise Catch a nigga slipping for his ice, worth your life Answer yes, well, did nigga pay your price Right or wrong, when you see the moon, it's on sight From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.